Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady and Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCrady. Today on the show, Martin Palomo, as always, joins. And uh, right next to him, they're not socially distancing. It's it's a it's a crime. Call the governor. Call mayors. Call everybody. <laughs> Martin sitting next to and and touching the left shoulder of uh, Reed Davis. This who's could be harassment. Of, well, it it's harassment. It's a violation of. Uh, of all sorts of code, so this this will be the last edition of Mind on My Money. It was, it was Martin, good to know. It's good knowing everybody. Martin yeah. headed to prison. <laughs> uh, won't be the first time. Yeah. Well, wasn't going to say that, but anyway, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about I don't know. Talk about stuff. It's 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 uh, people are starting to sort of get back to work this week. I think so. Some things are uh, things are happening. I don't know. There's a lot going on. We can talk about. And we'll get to uh, we'll get to that in in a minute. First, let me tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Uh, Clark Ford. I was talking to Corey Clark just this morning, as a matter of fact. And um, today's kind of their first day back to real normal, if you will, where the full staff is there and all those things. They've been uh, open and going since the uh, the shutdown, which was more than two months ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, give them a call six six two two five seven nineteen hundred. Tell them uh, what product you're interested in and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours right to the bottom line no hassle no haggle you get your quote and uh the rest is up to you it's uh super simple you can use that as a baseline moving forward somewhere else that's certainly your prerogative it's not wasting his time or you will do might end up doing what i've done and what i recommend that that you at least consider doing and that's getting into a clark ford you'll love the product you'll absolutely love the service uh, after the sale it's a level of service that I've never seen anywhere else. And uh, I've owned some cars during my days. So uh, 662-257-1900. Uh, and before we get going with whatever we're going to do today, uh, Martin, tell the people about Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you and Reed and others there. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, glad to be back on. Glad to be on with Reed. It feels like it's been a while since we've, uh, you know, I we are breaking some rules with the quote unquote distancing, but Oh, well, uh, anyway, so, you know, uh, for our listeners that have been with us for a while, kind of the same story, but for anyone who might be joining us for the first time, uh, Pinnacle was created a little more than 20 years ago, um, to, to, to do, to serve in a wealth management capacity and in a different norm than, than what folks were used to. It used to be that, you know, you would go to someone and you would pay for a transaction and you would get charged, a a massive fee for, uh, for the transaction. And then if you lost your money, the person who got pay- their payday on the front end didn't care. So Stacy decided he wanted to do things a little different and, uh, and structured us to kind of be on the same side of the table, uh, as our clients. So when, uh, when, when markets are up and our clients are making money, uh, we're in the, on the same side where our income is up, but when markets are down, like they have been this year, um, you know, it, it hurts us too. So it kind of positions us to be in a, in a place where we want to preserve uh, the, our clients' savings and grow it. So um, we don't take any crazy risks. 
to try to blow up client portfolios. And, uh, you know, and we try to do things in a, in a real prudent manner. So if you've been doing it yourself and your stomach is in knots because uh, the markets have been like a roller coaster, or if you haven't heard from your advisor in 61 days, uh, then give us a buzz. Uh, you can reach us on telephone 601-957-0323. Uh, email us at info at PINNtrust.com. We're also really active on social media, so you can find us on Facebook, uh, on Twitter. Just search Pinnacle Trust or Mind on My Money, uh, and we will respond pretty quickly. So uh, telephone 601-957-0323 or info at PI nntrust.com there's a lot of stuff we could get to uh we'll get to some different things in a minute I, this is uh, a follow one of the people i follow uh he works for espn 1000 in chicago his name's david kaplan he does a really good job there's a radio show there he does tv stuff there he's really good and um he says baseball referring to major league baseball is in a really tough spot players want their salaries the uh players want their salaries because hold on let me get my phone rings. You would think people know that I'm. You would think people know that I'm doing a podcast right now, but they probably don't. He was talking about how uh, players want their salaries because, duh. Uh, yet owners are getting killed because they don't. They can't have fans in the stands. Right. And, um, you know that the 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 owners put out a proposal to the players yesterday. The players are going to tell the owners to stick that proposal somewhere where the sun doesn't shine uh, at some point today or tomorrow. And then they're going to go to the negotiating table. And the truth is, it's really interesting to me, this, this, this whole return to sports. I have so many different thoughts on it. I know we didn't even talk about this in the pre-show, but I, it, which is good because I want to get y'all's real thoughts. Uh-oh. On one hand, people say we need to get back to sports. And I'm like, well, we're not, I don't think we're ready yet because of the testing situation, but the testing situation has improved dramatically in just the last two or three weeks. Yep. And if it improves dramatically in the next two or three weeks, well, then we might be ready to get started with the getting ready to get back to sports. Yet at the same time, a sport like major league baseball that depends so much on fans for revenue, you know, you don't play the games. If no one can come, you play the games so that people can come to the game and, and, uh, you, you bring little Johnny or, or whatnot to the, to the, to the ball game and, and you buy a Jersey and you, you buy a hot dog and you buy a couple of beers and you buy a Coke and spend $300. And, and, yeah. And you get you a souvenir and, and uh, you know, uh, maybe Ronald Acuna hits a home run in the eighth inning. That that's super exciting. And, and, and uh, little Johnny, when he climbs in the, in the back of the truck with, with daddy and, and they're heading home, he says, I can't wait to go to the Braves game again. That was awesome. It's about making memories. It's about stuff like that. That's what it's about. But if you take that aspect of it away, this is where I'm, I'm in the people get mad at me guys in my field. And I mean, legitimately angry where I say, I don't understand why we're playing sports without fans. Sports were meant for fans. And if you take the fans away, I mean, Alabama, Tennessee, if there's nobody in the stadium, is a scrimmage game between Alabama and Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, my, the best memory of my childhood with my dad, he took us to a San Francisco Giants game at Candlestick. Will Clark doesn't play the whole game. He's my hero. I'm left-handed. He's sitting on the bench. He gets pinch hit with two outs, ninth inning, um, comes in for one at bat, hits a two-run walk-off. Best night of my life. I mean, that 
I think the the, my, the way I my take on it is is that yes, to go watch sports is just a sports fan. They have to have fans. Otherwise, it's it's not the same experience. On that same kind of train of thought. I'm an avid golfer. I played college golf. I, I love golf. I don't care if I'm there and watching it on TV. So I think maybe right. the sports that you love, you're going to watch anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, <clears throat> like professional soccer, uh, this is not a, a, a knock at MLS, but MLS is not anywhere close to the to the premier professional soccer league in the world. I mean, you're talking and, and they're the and they're in the headlines today, Martin. With, Are they? With I, uh, I didn't see it today. All 26. Yeah, taking all 26 teams to Orlando, quarantining them for months, and playing out the rest of the regular season uh, in Orlando. They, they're not allowed to bring their families. You know, it's funny. That's wild. Because... Well, wasn't that the original take that Major League Baseball was going to do in Phoenix? Yeah, they yeah. were going to take everybody to Arizona and, and quarantine them, and the players just basically said, oh, no. no we're not doing that. Well, so the Bundesliga you know, is supposed to start back on Sunday, I mean on Saturday, which is – that's Germany's premier league, and, and they've said they're only allowing 322 people in the stadium and, and it'll be no fans. But, you know, I guess where I was going with my piece are they beforehand – Are they quarantining the players? They are. Um, they are, and then they're going to be testing them every week as well. Um so, well, I say they are. I'm almost positive that's what I read was that they were – no one was going to be allowed in the stadium. It's 322 people in the stadium. That's all of their healthcare people um, uh, and and no fans. Coaches. Yeah, all of the staff, no fans. And then – but the thing that, you know, we were talking about watching sports. I have I've yet to see a live Premier League game, which I would love to. I'd love to go to England or Spain and watch a live game, but I just haven't yet. So I've only watched it on television. So – for me, yeah. watching the Premier League, if it comes back on TV, you know, it's kind of like, all right, well, that's already how I consume it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that that's that's right, but but also that's because of distance. It's different for, you know, NFL for Major League Baseball, where we could, you know, relatively easy easily drive to, you know, a Major League Baseball or or, or an NFL game. But yeah, but, but to Neil's point, if you know, I love college football. If, if Bama and Tennessee are playing. On Saturday at the CBS 2:30 game, and there's nobody there. It's a lot different than 100,000 fans in Knoxville trying to upset Alabama. Um, it, it's a totally different experience. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. yeah, it's here's what's interesting is from a negotiation standpoint, there are people in the SEC who believe that if they play games without fans, that they can go to CBS in this case and say, "Hey, uh, pony up." Yeah, we're still more playing. people are going to. Yeah, yeah. M- more people are going to watch than ever before. And then there are people who are familiar with CBS's line of thinking who 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 believe that CBS will counter with, yeah, but see, when we sign this deal, like to show Georgia-Florida, for example, which is a game they show every year, yeah. no matter what, what the meaning of it is, that's part of the, the – part of that deal is the pageantry, right, of putting a game in Jacksonville – and it's half Florida, and, and it's, it's half party. Georgia, and the stadium, you know, one side is blue and orange, and one side is red and black, and, yep. and it's this big party, and you show the, 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 the bands, and you hear the sounds, you, hear, you know, Florida scores, you hear the Florida fight song. You know, that would when be Georgia scores, thing, yeah. you hear. Yeah, so when no you band. take it from a, from a marketing standpoint, yes, when you take totally the sounds and the sights away, yeah. and well, now it's just a football game. Yeah, I'm not watching that how game much anymore is that worth if they're, if they're both 8-3. It's just a different deal. Yeah. 
I don't know that I'm watching it if they're both 11 and 0. I mean, and so that's because it's not what you're used to. It's it's funny. I mean, I, I've been telling people, man, I miss baseball. And I do. I miss baseball a lot. This is the time of year that I watch a lot of baseball. This is, for me, this is kind of normally the time of year that is sports nirvana. Yeah. Because spring football is over. I'm not really working very hard right now no, normally. And the NBA is in the playoffs where every game is like down to the wire and truly really exciting. And then Major League Baseball's routine now. It's every day. It's background. It's I love it. And it's gone. And so there was a, a KBO game, Korean uh, baseball organization game that was on the other night. And I can't remember who was playing. It doesn't matter. But I, I, I told myself when it came on, I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to enjoy this. And it wasn't that I didn't recognize the players. And it wasn't that the, the game wasn't wasn't good baseball because I think it was pretty good baseball. It wasn't Major League Baseball quality, but I know this is sacrilegious, what I'm about to say. It is significantly higher quality than college baseball, yeah. which everybody gets their – which kind of is about to prove my point. Everybody down here gets their jollies off on, on college baseball. Oh, it's so good. Ah, the Korean baseball teams would kill college teams, just destroy them. Well, I mean, they and, have, and, like, they and have and like so, three uh, real pros on it. I mean, it's legit baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And they have guys that, yeah, they have guys that could step into double a and, and play right away. Yeah. And so, you know, I was watching it, but there's nobody there. There's no atmosphere. There's some piped in music, but there's nothing. And I watched a couple innings and I flipped and I thought that's what, you know, I mean, if you were to get extrapolate this out to say college basketball without fans, it's an okay product. Who, if you're watching Ole Miss and Arkansas in a college basketball game at Bud Walton, but there's nobody in the stadium, there's no uh, there's no hog running around, there's no cheerleaders, there's no band, there's no sound, there's no nothing. It's the guy, and I always use the guy in Dubuque, Iowa. Is he watching that? He's flipping to back to the Food Network or something. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just I just don't think I don't think there's. That's I, I, what I'm interested to see is if we get to that place, and I pray that we don't. I'm I'm curious if some of these TV networks go. You know what? Now that we've done this a little bit, like ESPN is going to televise those MLS games that we were just talking about. Does ESPN go back to the MLS and go, I know we have a contract, but man, our ratings are like nothing. And this is, this not a great product. And we really don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what happens. Yeah, that's a, I think that would be the worst case scenario for the consumers. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't have an answer for that because, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I mean, it, it does put it and, and, and realizing that, well, I'm saying this and hoping that I'm right, that next year, 2021, that we will be back to normal. It's, I mean, just 20, I'm almost chalking 2020 up to a, it's a lost year and things are going to happen that, you know, are not the norm, but also not permanent. And we may have a really crappy year in sports. Like we've had kind of a crappy year in markets. We're going to have a crappy year in, you know, travel and, and all those things. And I don't know, 2020 just kind of like I'm ready for 2021 already. And it's only it's the beginning good, of a pretty good segue to what happened to the markets when you already talk about it. The 2020. <laughs> I'm just saying that's, that's yeah. the, it's the same story. Everybody's written this year. off. Well, we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about this in the, in the pre-show as we were, as, as this is quickly turning into the Neil McCready uh, festivus of, uh, of grievances. Um, I mean, I was complaining about two different things. One, I refuse to look at my 401k. I just, I won't look at it yeah, it's don't. Been a month. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to look at it. I don't need to see it. I know it's bad. Yeah. It's bleeding. Uh, I know it's the not damage dead, has bleeding. been done. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it, I, I know that there's, there's carnage everywhere. 
and I, I don't, I don't need to see it. I mean, there's no point. And, and yeah, I mean, there's a pulse still. So, you yeah. know, I'll, I'll let the doctors fix it. And then the other thing that I'm a little upset about, if I'm totally honest, and I really don't want to put the blame where I know the blame belongs. I have been religiously riding my Peloton. Yeah. <laughs> I've been working out in the yard. I have wrapped the uh, resistance band around a tree. I've done the push pull. I've done, I've done pushups. I've done my ab work. And, and, and I look up and I look at my face on this zoom camera <laughs> and it's rough. I mean, it's rougher than normal and it's always pretty rough. And now, I mean, I, I look like I've put about 10 pounds on in, in just my face alone. And someone said, well, maybe it's the alcohol. And, and I think, Hey, why don't you just shut the F up? All right. I mean, cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's that. So, um, I think maybe it's just the stress of the pandemic and, and, uh, and when that's over, I'll go back to a a, a more spelt looking uh, face. Yeah, well, Reed was talking about he's in the pound for pound in the pound best. for pound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. best. Uh, I would say I'm in the top decile of uh, 205 pound, you know, adult males pound for pound in shape in the world. I mean, I, I could literally drop down, give you 50 push-ups, go run five miles, come back. I've gained 10 pounds this month. So, I mean. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe I snack more. Maybe I drink more. Maybe, you know, coronavirus gained 10 pounds. I, I don't know. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I, I just want to ask a question to both of you. If, if, if I fix a drink that is, I mean, hypothetically, hypothetically, of course, we're, we're speaking in nothing but hypotheticals. If at the end of the day when one of, one of my daughters has basically just said, I, I can't, I can't deal with this level of boredom anymore. And another one of my daughters has said, this, this is stressing me out and it's breaking out my face. And my son is somber because he can't find a, a, a gym to go play a pickup game in. Um, if, if I hypothetically sort of self-medicate myself with a drink that consists of the following a shot of mezcal, two shots of tequila, a shot and a half of Grand Marnier, a small squeeze of uh, honey, and 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 a squeeze of lime. Just one. I mean, that's that's technically that's technically a cocktail, not really just straight booze, right? I mean, that's a cocktail, yeah, because you had to mix it, yeah. and uh, it's so yeah. it's it's not so like I, drinking directly out of the bottle. Hypothetically, I mean, I mean, speaking, you could in so. theory just take three shots of three different alcohols and get gargle in your mouth and <laughs> and boom, yeah. you'd end up in the same spot. <laughs> Well, you know, and hypothetically, if you, hypo speaking hypothetically here still, um, if you uh, if you put a little bit of of that mixture in, and all three of your kiddos' water jugs, they might not be somber or bored. That's and not, I'm not promoting that illegal. we do that, but that's uh, that, that that feels like an illegality yeah, that, that goes that goes beyond on. what you're committing at it's, this it's very time moment to move right on. Now. Yeah, it's time to move yeah, on. I, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a great idea, Martin. <laughs> Parenting uh, 101. I'm, I'm parenting. On behalf of the Mississippi Department of Social Services, I would like to recommend that you not do that. Um, <laughs> We're just all right, so let's talk about right? Yeah, I, hypothetically, of course. Let's talk about, I mean, because I, I, as I say that, my 19 year old, when I, I, I was like, look, if you need a wine cooler, just go get one. It's right out there. Um, <laughs> just still, what, still think we should need. move on. <laughs> Yeah. He was kidding. Yeah. That was the conver the conversation that we had. This was parenting 101. The conversation that we had about two weeks ago, where I said, "What? 
what do you drink? And she looks at me like, trick question. And I'm like, no, I, I know you drink. I know you drink. So when you're in college, what is it that you drink? And because and, I'll just go get it. So it'll be here and just don't yeah. drive and just get it. And she was kind of like, I don't, uh, I don't drink. That. <laughs> I want to answer that exactly, but I'm tempted. And so uh, anyway. If right, I so were to about, drink, this yeah. is probably maybe what it would be. I mean, I guess if I were to, I've heard my friends say that they drink those white claws. <laughs> And, and the mango flavor is the one that they all seem to like, maybe. But they don't drink. Yeah. My friends don't. Yeah, but my friends don't drink either. It's my friends' friends sometimes will have those That's white right. claws. Yeah. I think. Yeah. All right, let's talk markets because um, <laughs> I'm curious. I, don't, I haven't even looked. I couldn't tell you what the Dow has done. I couldn't tell you what the S and P 500 is. I've just decided that my form of mental therapy is the aforementioned. Uh, tequila and just avoiding the news and frankly from a from a mental health standpoint it kind of works one. yep yeah it is you guys don't because of what you do for a living really have that luxury uh, what's what is it that you're seeing what what advice are you giving to the people who unlike me can't stop looking at their 401k and are calling you going hey uh am i going to be all right yeah so as we get into a serious conversation i think it's important to just say on the front end that the markets, you know, once you kind of understand the fundamentals of the markets, once you do it for a living, once you've, you know, done the education, the markets are not really as arbitrary as people frequently say. People, you know, often talk about, you know, it's just paper money, it's this and that. You know, there is, there are fundamentals to the markets. And really what happened back in March, the first two weeks of the pandemic and what has happened the last month is this. Um, when, when analysts are valuing what a stock is worth, they are looking at what the earnings are going to be one, five, ten yeah, years out. Over a couple of years. They're looking at what the company will generate in earnings growth over the next decade. And so when the, when the coronavirus hit and everybody realized the world was going to shut down, um, investors, analysts, everyone around the world immediately panicked and said, I have to change my numbers for everything. Um, the five-year numbers are going to be worth less. The, they're going to make less money next year. They're going to make less. It's going to change the world. Um, then over the course of the next month as the market, you know, came from 38 down to, you know, call it 10 down now. It rallied about 25% over the last, last four weeks. Essentially what happened is that every analyst, every investor said, well, you know, the the Federal Reserve has cut rates to zero. The Federal Reserve has added $1.5 trillion um, to their balance sheet, buying up bonds, creating liquidity. Um, they've put two, you know, what, a trillion dollars into economic relief to yep. small businesses, um, to people that run their own businesses, everything you can think of, sole proprietors. And what the market has basically been betting is that, you know, the one, five, 10 year numbers are significantly better because of all the relief that we've gotten from. The U.S. Federal Reserve, the you know ECB in Europe, um, the Bank of Japan, everybody's doing this. So there's obviously going to be relief. And so what's happened is that when you think about markets in 2020, it goes back to football. 2020 just doesn't matter anymore. The, these companies can get on their earnings calls. Coca-Cola could get on their earnings call tomorrow and say, we lost money in the first quarter and we expect to lose a little bit of money in the second quarter. Stock doesn't even, doesn't even bleed. What they want to know is, is this a two-year deal or is this a five-year deal? Yep. And so what's happening is, is everybody's betting that the pain will be shorter because of the stimulus. And really the only thing I see that could change that in the next month or two, the only thing that could cause another 20% pullback or meaningful you know, market volatility would be 
if the big boys, if the Caterpillars, the Apples, the Coca-Colas, the AT&Ts came out in the next two months and their second quarter earnings ago and say, uh, guys, this is a bigger problem than we thought. Yep. This is not a 2020 problem. This is a 2021 problem, a 2022 problem. You will see markets tank yep. because everybody will then have to adjust their numbers back to what will happen over the next five years. So that is the – there's two or three more risk, you know, you know, macro risk that we can talk about a little later, but – in terms of just markets and managing your 401k, that's what you're looking at right now. Yeah, I mean, and if we can just talk baseball real quick. <clears throat> um, so the the bull market that we had from 2009 till, let's just call it 2000, end of 2019, that's done. We've started a brand new game. It's a new market. So we're in inning one right now, and it's kind of like people trying to say, okay, so the you know the the home team got up to bat and they knocked in a – you know, two runs in the first inning. Well, the game isn't over. You still have a lot of baseball to play. So what's happened exactly like Reed was talking about was, you know, the first quarter hurt on the back end. Second quarter is going to really suck. But but we're kind of looking at, okay, well, that's just – that's one half of one inning of the game. We still yeah. have a lot of game left to play. And, you know, so there could be – you know, if we get – if if they get up, you know, four runs in the second or third inning, you're probably you need to change talking a damn about. pitcher. I'm gonna tell you that. Yeah. This <laughs> well, let me, yeah. Since we're on a baseball analogy, I'm a big baseball fan too, Neil. We essentially are on the Friday night SEC game. You got your best two pitchers, and the score is eight eight in the first inning. And so we know that the game is going to be complete chaos. We know it's not a normal. And you know that the rest of the series is going to be yeah, chaos yeah, too. We, by, yeah, because bullpens out. I love that and, I just stoked you. Yeah, guys because and now you know, in a normal Friday night game, your aces go eight innings. You put in a closer, it's two to one. We have entered the beginning of a series, a new market with total chaos. We're going to pitch five of our relief pitchers tonight. Do we have any left? Can any of them pitch on Sunday? That's what we're dealing with. The Federal Reserve is out of tools. Like the Treasury it. is struggling. So what else can they pull out of their pocket to keep this thing going? And so we, you know, to answer your question, there's just not, we don't know. This is a new phase. Okay. I'm going to throw something at you. This is, uh, this is, uh, I don't know whether I'm doing a really good job hosting a show or the, perhaps the worst <laughs> possible job hosting a show. And it's one or the other. So, uh, there's no in between, which is, I love it. It's Pretty sometimes, normal. Yeah. Sometimes my life story. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm reading from the Oxford Eagle. I always love to give credit to the media outlet that that produces the content. In this case, it is uh, Jake Thompson of the uh, of the Oxford Eagle. He's writing a story about an Oxford restaurant's got to reopen uh, for guests yesterday, and most of them did. One that did not is one of my favorites in town. It's the Blind Pig. It's a great place to go get a sandwich and a beer and some chips and. Uh, it's a cool place. I like the blind pig a lot. It's got a cool vibe. And when they get back to open and they're, they're not an advertiser of mine. So this is legitimately me just saying that they're they're It's a cool place. Um, anyway, they, they closed on, uh, on Monday on Saturday, I should say they shut down because they had a, an employee who thought maybe he or she had some, had some symptoms and, and maybe he or she had, uh, coronavirus tested for it and on monday the uh, the restaurant announced a facebook post that the employee's test came back negative but the individual was admitted to the hospital on sunday due to quote complications and said due to this sudden turn uh, this is the uh, the blind pig owner blind pig uh, telling the oxford eagle actually it's on facebook due to the sudden turn we cannot open this week in good conscience 
We will be closed for the next two to three weeks for our staff to self-quarantine and for our restaurant to be deep cleaned. I'm not saying they're not doing the right thing. I'm sure they're doing the responsible thing. But if you're running a business, a retail business of any sort, and restaurants, bars, that kind of thing, if any time that someone in your restaurant or in your retail establishment, in your department store, has symptoms, if you have to shut down We're not done. for two to three weeks with that, then, then um, to use your baseball analogy, we can't find a reliever to get an out. Yeah, we're pitching I mean, our second every, baseman who pitched in high school. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you know, usually in a, in a, in a major league game, I and mean, you'll see these games happen, you know, it starts off the home team. I mean, the, the away team gets six runs in the first and, and knocks the starter out two thirds of an inning. And you think, well, this game's over. And then the home team gets four in the bottom of the first and three in the bottom of the second. You look up and it's seven to seven going to the third and both starters are out. But usually what happens in one of those games is one of the middle relievers that we mentioned comes in and he's pretty effective. Gets you through. He goes, yeah. Yeah, he gets you three or four innings. He's a swing guy. He gets you three or four innings. He gives up one run on two hits, one walk, three strikeouts, and the game sort of settles. If this is the kind of thing that happens, we're not finding those relievers. Those, If, if this is what happens, and I'm using the blind pig as an example, and I yep. hope that the person uh, heals completely, and I hope the restaurant gets back because it's a great place. Yep. But if, 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 if that's, that is probably, they're probably not alone in this kind of thing around the country. If that happens, that we're not finding that middle reliever that settles the game down. Well, and you know, and that that brings me to point two. There's three points that I want to you know convey today. Okay. Point point two is, and it's perfect okay. for the baseball analogy because you're in the middle of the game. You're trying to get your relief pitchers. You're trying to figure out your strategy. What's going to happen at some point? And all the analysts understand this is that there's more to it than are the restaurants making money or do we have profits? What's going to happen is there's going to be enough strain on the retail markets because people aren't buying, going to stores. There's going to be enough strain on restaurants. There's going to be enough strain on commercial real estate because businesses are, you know, not opening as many offices. They're doing Zoom. You know, there's going to be enough of that where you have the potential down the road in a year or two for a debt a debt collapse where, you know, 10% of, of the retail space says, hey, here are the keys, bank. You know, here's the – that's part of this new baseball game. We're going to have factors like our pitchers got sick in the middle of the game that we don't even know yet. There's going to be unintended consequences of $2 trillion in stimulus and, you know, the COVID shutting down everything on any given day. That's just the new world we're in. So here's where that sports analogy runs out, right? Because sometimes that happens in a baseball game. You'll see it, especially in a major league season where it's 162 games and you know, like the Cubs were losing a game last year and the eighth inning was like, you know, 17 to two or something. And and so instead of wasting pitchers, you, yeah, you, you, you know, in this Anthony, the Cubs first baseman, Anthony Rizzo had always bugged the uh, Joe Madden, the former manager. Hey, I, I can pitch. And so he goes out there. Here's the ball. Yeah. You know, it doesn't on, matter. We lost know. or won. And it, yeah. And, and, and this is where the sports analogy runs out. Because it's funny, and everybody on the bench gets a kick out of it, and he gets a couple of outs, and that gives the media something to write about after the game, and it it, it makes it funny and endearing, and you know you you tip your hat to the Mets that got you that night, but you wake up the next day and it's zero to zero, and you play another game, you live to fight another day. When a when a business goes belly up and says, "Here, bank, here are the keys. We're filing chapter chapter nine or whatever," that's not living to fight another day. I mean, Sorry. that's that's. That's the end, and and so you know it's where the sports analogy runs out. What? Yeah. I, that's the, con- the that's the concern is that you have is that like I can tell you in the town where I am right now in Oxford, 
it's why, you know, I, I tell people who fight back about the mask, if, if look, if we have to wear a mask to get to August and survive, then put your damn mask on. It'd be all right. Yeah. Because if we can't, if, if the school can't open, if Ole Miss can't open in August, and if there isn't a football season, all of these businesses like the one I just talked about, they're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. And so the, the, the town that we're used to, the environment that we're used to, it won't be, there won't be another, you won't fight to live another day. It'll be that, that'll be the end of the day. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's a lot of, we haven't turned into a financial crisis yet. Um, the potential is there. And a lot of, a lot of the small businesses, um, you know, have their loans through SBA, which kind of protects the bank uh, or the banks, the banking system from having so much exposure to really, really high risk clients like small business owners. And so the can kind of gets kicked by the bank up to the government, uh, you know, cause the government is who, you know, funds SBA. So it could create, it could create a really interesting situation for, you know, what, what ends up happening to SBA. So kind of like, if you think about uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac back in 2008, so they are, they are government agencies that buy up mortgages, uh, you know, and it's kind of just like the banks, they, they snatch up a lot of the mortgages to protect the banks from having so much risk on their balance sheets. So they kind of guarantee these loans. Well, everything started dropping like, you know, crazy in 08 mortgages, people were defaulting on their mortgages. And then, you know, if you kind of look at Fran Freddie Mac, Oh my gosh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, you know, the government, they went into receivership, they got taken over. Um, you know, and I think that you could see a very similar thing Absolutely. with, with SBA. So instead of it being, you know, people's homes, it's people's businesses. Um, and then, and then you have, you know, the, the kickoff of, you know, kind of another financial crisis. Um, and I think that the government is trying to do, and it's not just us. I mean, this is, this is going to be globally, you know, governments are through, you know, like Reed mentioned earlier, the ECB, which is the European central bank, the bank of Japan, all of the big central banks across the world are doing everything they can now to prevent something like that from how they're trying to not let that first domino fall. Cause once that first domino falls, it's too late. It's done. And, you know, and we kind of started seeing the domino beginning to tilt when you saw the numbers come out for May rents, where it was like 50% of May rents were being paid. Um, you know, hopefully what's happened is, you know, they've negotiated with the landlord saying, hey, I'm skipping May. And these are big box stores. I'm not talking about, you know, like mom and pops. I'm talking about department stores are skipping sure, rent. Sure, of course. And, of course. And so maybe they work something out saying, hey, I'm going to spread Mays out over the next 10 months or 12 months and they work it out to where it's not, Hey, I'm skipping May and now I'm going to skip June and then we're going to skip July. And then, cause once, once you kind of hit three in a row, it's man, that's hard to recover from. So yeah, it's, it goes back to the, you know, what's first the chicken or the egg that helps save the economy. Do we, do we open and have some trouble, which we're, it, if we fully open, there's going to be some spreading. It's I, it. I just don't know how it's not possible. But then, if you stay closed, you know it's businesses yeah, die. It, it's a different deal. And, and I, I was reading. I guess it was the state of Mississippi was saying, "Hey, you know, our our revenue collection from last month was uh, drastically down." Yeah, and I, I bet. Thought, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet. 
uh, you know, nationally at the end of when, when, when people file their, their uh, tax returns for, from 2020, it's, there's going to be, I mean, the, the federal government, the state governments, local, they're going to collect a lot less money. I mean, there's just, there's, there's going to be pain here, right? I mean, there's just, that's inevitable. So yeah, it is. Yeah, there will be, um, you know, and, and so here's my pipe dream, right? My pipe dream is that, you know, we get all these folks who, who, who lost their jobs, you know, back, back up and running as quickly as possible. But here's one of the biggest obstacles to that. Right. And we, and Neil, we talked about this a little bit, a couple months ago, um, was, you know, some of these folks that were making, you know, two, $3,000 a month on an honest wage, right. Have yep. been home. And I, I was talking to my brother, he has some friends that lost their job and they, you know, they're in the restaurant industry or in the hospitality industry. And they told him point blank, which I knew they would anyway, point blank. They're like, we, we want to stay home. We don't want to go back to work because they're making more money staying home than when they're working. So it's, you know, that's, it's, well, that, that's a real risk. You know, you talk to, you talk to business owners who have distribution centers, who have um, low income wage employees. And you, if you go to ask them, Neil, what is your biggest concern? Are you worried about payroll? Are you worried about this or that? Their biggest concern is yep. no. They're going to get enough in unemployment where they'd rather sit at home than come work. But here's, here's my thing, right? Is, is that so, so at some point, because I've heard, and I'm not making fun, it's just it's an it, it's a, it's a educational failure in my opinion. They, they, everybody got a check, a stimulus check. And the, and a lot of people's attitude is, well, if you could do it once, do it again. Oh, dude. <laughs> just, just print, print more money. Well, you know, and that, and that goes back to the 2008, 2009 crisis where that's a whole separate issue. So when you, when you think about why you get relief, you think about why the Fed takes interest rates to zero, the whole purpose of, of doing all of that is that if you lower rates, you lower reserve rates at banks, you lend more money, you have a higher money supply. If you have a higher money supply, you know, the money's rotating, everybody gets their, their piece, life is good. Well, the problem is if you get too much money supply increase, you get inflation. And so yeah. we didn't get it over the last 10 years because right. the banks just didn't lend it. Their, their standards got tighter. And so, you know, they can you, you can say that all you want, but the government and the Fed especially understands that the biggest risk, and let me be clear about that, the biggest risk in the whole deal is that you wake up and have 10% inflation and you have to shut everything down for three years. And that is... That's like the catastrophic blow. It, that, that ends everything for a decade. And so they are not going to let that happen, even if it means that people are broke for two years. So, that, you know, it won't continue forever. The, 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 the stimulus, the low rates, it eventually has to stop. Yeah, I think it does. And, and, but nobody can say that out loud this year because it's There's an election. An, and that it's was an that was year, my yeah. point three. So we can wait to get to that. But that's yeah. Oh, yeah. no. OK, I'll tell you what. Hold that. Hold that thought. We're going to we're going to get to point three. And uh, in just one moment, but let me first tell you, this podcast is also brought to you in part by the refrigeration company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years, including five as a national service manager at TRC. They understand that great service means being responsive, and they're highly trained, responsible, dedicated staff available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration. Um, uh I lost my, uh, but they work on any other HFC, HCFC, or CO2 systems. They're building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. They're based in Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. 
They can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration, analysis, and more. To learn more, call Jeremy Waller at 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at therefridgeco.com. Speaking of businesses that uh, have been hurt by this, Elite Dental Care is one of those. Uh, eventually, they, uh, Tennessee will, will open up where uh, dentists can, uh, can get back to it. And when they do, please remember my friends at Elite Dental Care in Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton. They offer uh, five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience. And uh, along with their different areas of expertise, they can uh, offer convenience along with the latest in technology. It's a family practice. The whole family can be seen no matter how severe the problems are, no matter ages of the people in your family. They focus on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays and more. They uh, offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared or for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take the time off of work for multiple visits. And with sedation, elite, elite dental care is able to get much more work done in one visit, ultimately saving the patient time and money. So when they open Tennessee back up, you're going to need to go back to the dentist. And if you need a new dentist, if you're looking for a recommendation and you live in the West Tennessee or the Memphis area, here's mine, Dr. Mark Harper. Dr. Clint Buchanan, Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. It's EliteDentalCare.com, and you can also follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. The floor is yours, Mr. Davis, point three. <laughs> point three. Speaking of just, just the dentist, I took my daughter to the, uh, to orthodontist. the, to the orthodontist, and uh, it was like getting through a Social Security checkpoint. It was insane. I mean, this is just a new world that we're in. It's, you, uh, like a TSA checkpoint? Yeah, that too, whatever. <laughs> I've actually been through a Social Security checkpoint. It is a uh, lot like a TSA. Oh, I was in New York for a conference, and uh, it was the UN, the Big Six, or whatever the big the meeting they have once every two years or a year. And uh, a lot of the world leaders were staying in the hotel I was in, which is surprising to me that they still let you stay there. But oh, it, wow. it was, you know, like walk through and get, you know, you know the deal. But anyway... So point three in this in this whole you know baseball game analogy, which I think I'm going to drop the analogy and just talk about point three, is that an election year is already a chaotic year. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, you think about what an election year means to the markets. You're talking if the republic if the Senate flipped to Republican versus Democrat, if Trump also lost, you you would then have a you know a, a three headed you know Democratic Party running D.C. They are they unwinding the tax relief plan from 2017? Are they, you know, unwinding a lot of the relief that, that Trump has done for small business? Are they unwinding a lot of things that have happened over the years, which again, going back to point one, fundamentally changes the story of what the markets are worth, what growth rates are. It would be a a big deal to markets if that happened. And now you have the coronavirus aspect, and it really kind of changes the percentages of who's going to win these elections and what's going to happen. And so <laughs> I wish this was on video. Neil is doing something very funny right now. But, you know, it, this whole, this entire story could, the, the coronavirus pandemic could change what happens in November, which changes the markets again, which changes everything. Policy that comes out over the next two or three years, the Federal Reserve. So, you know, not only are we in the first inning of a chaotic game, we're in the first inning of a chaotic game, and, and I don't know, like, 
who's the coach, but it might be like Lasorda or somebody that could come out there and do something stupid at any point. I don't know. I just went looking for beer. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm trying to watching, find a drink while we talk watch, about it. I'm not watching the game anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where we are. And so um, this is a different world. This is a different market, and it's going to take a while to to get into some kind of rhythm. And, uh, you know, if things change a lot in D.C., which I'm not going to say either side, which I'm on, uh, we're not allowed to do that, but um, – it could be absolute chaos. Yeah, when you and you see and you kind of see it where you got, you know, there's already some jockeying happening where, you know, even though it's not reality, you have, you know, people on you know one side of the aisle kind of putting out these really crazy, um, you know, ideas about. It was I was reading is it was, was two thousand dollars per person in each household each month for like up to three months after the coronavirus pandemic is quote unquote officially over. I mean, that could be years before it's quote unquote officially over, you know? So for me, I'm a, there are six people that are in my house. So if we follow that math six times 12, I mean, six times two is $12,000 a month coming into my house for let's just say it's just a year. I mean, that's $144,000 for a year after tax. So I would have to make 250, 275 in yeah. normal earnings to be able to bring home, you know, $144,000 uh take home pay. And I mean, like that stuff is crazy, but it's just like, you know, it ignites people just like the whole, you know, Hey, we're going to forgive all of your student loans ignited people that, that don't are not thinking about the, how do we pay for this? They just hear, Hey, I got cha-ching, you know, what's let's, let's run the cash register. And yeah, it's, it's those, those people are not thinking about their children and grandchildren. They're, they're, they're not, they're not thinking about a generation beyond them. They're, hell, they're or not even themselves. I mean, yeah. 10 it's, years from it's, now. It's, they're not even thinking. Yeah, a couple of years from now, they're they're just they're wrapped up in the here and now, and yeah, it it doesn't work. I, I mean, mean it, it, you're right because all, all you have to do is we have a couple of examples of that um, where what Reed talked about the thing we we don't want happen, which is hyperinflation. So the probably the most famous example of hyperinflation was post World War One Germany when uh, the marks were became worth nothing. So people were went to the banks, they got their German marks, their currency, put it in wheelbarrows, and folks were running up to them, stealing the wheelbarrow, dumping the cash out, and running off with the wheelbarrow because the wheelbarrow was worth more than the actual cash was. And if we get into situations like that, money doesn't matter. It's ammunition and livestock. That's that's what you need, and you need to have plenty of it to to protect yourself and feed your family. And, and, that, and back to point two. That's why they won't let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tightrope. Look, I wouldn't want any of their jobs right now. Like that's, I know that they well, all someone signed needs up to shut it. up Fauci. I'm going to tell you that someone yeah. needs to shut up Fauci. If Fauci's talking too much and, and, and it's, 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 I don't know what's motivating him and I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but like he is a, 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 he talks about today, the idea of having treatments available to facilitate students coming back to school in the fall term is quote, a bit of a bridge too far. I mean, just, we're, we're almost out of time, but what the hell does that. that mean? Just don't even say why, why, anything. Why do you say that on May the 12th? Why? I mean, here's, here's, what bug, here's what bugs me. 
And I'm, I'm going to my mini rant, and and it might be the the bridge. It might be a bridge too far in the next week. But <laughs> here's my mini rant, and I've said this to some people. When everyone wants to make this political, in 2016, I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton either. I voted for Theo Epstein. He did not win. Um, I mean, I didn't. I didn't vote for either candidate. I didn't like either one of them, and I couldn't make myself go to the polls and vote for either of them. So, I, so there's that's where I come from from a voting standpoint. The Cubs had just won the World Series. I was still giddy. I'm like, I'll vote for the guy that built the Cubs. Um, <laughs> Fair point. Love it. He's, yeah, two, he's so two for two. This is where I'm coming from, though. But we, we've got to get through this thing as a country together. And the president of the United States, until at least January the 20th at noon, is Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. And if it's not Donald Trump, it's Mike Pence. That's right. So that's reality. And that's what bugs me is with some of the media and some of the people in, in, in power in Washington, it is so political right now. Instead of worrying about the people that they are, they are elected to take care of and to help not take care of, to represent. Yep. Big difference. Yeah, to represent. Instead of representing the interest of the people that, that run these um, restaurants like the Blind Pig and, and – um, Instead of doing what is in the best interest of those people, they're doing what's in their political best interest. And in the meantime, I, I, I run the risk, like the two of you were just discussing that scenario, and, and Reed, you said, well, that, that won't happen. And, and I, your mouth to God's ears, but it's happened before, and that's the thing about history that, that is always – there's two things that, that always stick around, history and cliches. Yep. Cliches because they ring true, and history because it repeats itself. Yes, it does, <laughs> unfortunately. Fair, fair point. And so, and, and so here we are in, in this time when if, if you're against Donald Trump and you're against his administration, that's cool. That's your right. In November, you get to go to the ballot box and vote for someone else. And if someone else wins, on January the 20th at noon, there will be a, a peaceful transition of power. But until then, man, we, we, this whole making everything to the point where you can't if a university president says, hey, I think we're going to open up in the fall, there's this immediate pushback. I don't think that's healthy. There's, I don't see any – from what I see with the numbers, I've had people ask me, would you be comfortable sending your daughter back to Fayetteville? My answer is yes. Yeah. I mean, you're Absolutely. right. At some point, the world has and to I, And I love, my, yeah. I love my daughter. Yeah, it's, it's – it's, you know, and if, if you're not comfortable sending your child back to college, don't. 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 Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and that's kind of that's that's where I've really been, I've really gotten to Neil with all of this stuff is, you know, people trying to force other people to do things, and I, that's that's kind of you know you said it you wrapped it up best like if if I'm gonna if I want to go to a restaurant and sit down and I'm willing to take the risk of doing that then I'm gonna do it but if but if you don't want to no one is holding a gun to your head saying. Yeah. You have to go sit in this restaurant, and you have, and I'm going to cough and sneeze, and and I'm going to lick your face and rub all over you. Like no one is saying that. So, if and it's like with my mom, you know, it's she's older than 65, uh, a couple of the yeah. you know high risk issues, and she's just saying, hey, I'm not going out, but you know, but you young guys, you know, if you want to go to go to the restaurant, then that's fine. I'm just not going to. Oh my well, God, and, you know, and, and, and along those lines, I mean, it's like my gym's open again. I'm not going to go just yet. I'm yeah. going to wait a week. Yeah. might wait two weeks. It's, it's cool. I'm 50. Yeah. If I were 25, would I go to my gym today? Probably. How much more weight are you um, going to gain next week? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, based on this show and all the drinking that I'm about to do, probably <laughs> another five or six pounds. I mean, but 
Um, you know, but I mean, I, I'll wait. I'm not ready to go sit in a restaurant yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that other people do and, yeah, and we'll kind of see what happens and we'll figure it out. But the other thing that I, that w- what really bothers me, those are micro decisions. That's hey, right. what am I going to do at 6 PM today? Yeah. What am I going, am I comfortable going to the gym today at one is a complete different conversation fellas than what am I comfortable doing on August the 20th? There's a, it's a difference between am I comfortable meeting you guys at the bar for a drink tonight at, at the manship at 6 p.m. Then am I comfortable uh, going to a, a function in September? There's yeah. a different – I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this, there's a lot of, a lot of data that, that has to uh, be accumulated between now and then for me, to, for me to be able to make that decision. And that's why – I'm not critical of the people who, who aren't willing to say, yes, we're going to open the campuses. I'm, I'm not, that's cool. But the, there's this pressure on people to announce that they're not going to open the campuses. Yeah. And that drives me insane. Why? Why not just go, hey, because this is, I'm always a fan of the people that say this. We don't know yet. That's honest. Don't have enough, don't have enough information yet. That, that is that's the honest. truth. Yeah. And we're I, leaning, we're leaning this way, and as of right now, and that's what they've said. Like, you know, like uh, most of the schools have said, you know, we, we anticipate being open, we're planning on being open, we're not ready to make an announcement yet. Yeah, cool. I've I've got no issue with that. The people that push back on that, oh no, that's, this this it's a quote virus in quote. No, no, it's not. It's real. I mean, seventy something thousand people died. That's a real number. Yeah. But but at some point, you you, you do have to. I'm just rambling. It bothers. It really bothers me. It's it's why you know politically I keep looking for the the common sense party that that can say hey this this makes sense let's do what makes sense we the further we get away from that whether it's to the left or the right the more I get flustered I, I'm 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 let's do what makes sense and and right now having uh, Anthony Fauci say you know boy opening opening campuses in the fall is a step is a bridge too far to me, it reeks of irresponsibility and it reeks of an agenda. And quite frankly, it reeks of someone who's failing the public trust. And he's, he is, he's, is in a position where he is supposed to, to represent the public trust, not fail it. Yeah. And, I, and you know, you kind of think we're, th- we're three months out from kind of really the first few cases hitting the U S I mean, in August is essentially three months from now. So just think about how much is, changed in the last three months hell how much has changed in the last three weeks um yeah, we exactly. know more we're doing a better yep. job of testing yep. you know i imagine that three months from now we'll know even more we'll have we'll be doing things better yeah. uh, i don't know what what it's going to look like but i know I, i'm if i was a gambling man i bet you it's going to be better than it is today in three You'll months I will, in three months i will be the pound for pound, two hundred fifteen pound world champion of the world. <laughs> well, I'm still at, I'm still hanging at two fifty, and uh, uh, and so uh, yeah. I mean, I hope I I'll hang be breaking Peloton records and 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 and, and be, be be getting fit for my sumo costume. That's right. Costume if I'm not careful. All right, fellas, uh, we we got we got to roll yep. there. Uh, it was a great show. Really appreciate it. Hope uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust uh, this time next week. Until then, don't forget, you can go to Pintrust.com. It's P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Mention that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on guest. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees for uh, our special guest, Reed Davis from Martin Palomo. I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, Thanks, take guys. care.